0: Chris Peniato is currently the Director of Coaching for Developmental Programs at VA Rush. He has over 25 years of experience developing curriculums in the youth soccer world. Chris gives us lots of knowledge in this episode about developing the person and the player. Cool, Chris. Thanks for joining me. A little little overdue as we just talked about, but uh, as we were supposed to do this at the convention a couple weeks ago, but better late than never.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody got busy at the convention.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Chris, you know, Could you kick us off with your coaching background? How'd you start? How'd you get into it? Was it something that you knew you wanted to do or did you fall into
1: it? Yeah, so great question, Jesse. Um, I started coaching when I was 17, right? I suppose I I may have even started sooner. When I was playing, I was always kind of telling others what to do and being quite vocal. Um, So at 17, I actually, uh, I went to college because we finished school at 16 in England and uh, I was doing a course in uh, sports and leisure management and uh, they they bought on the FA prelim course so I was one of the youngest people to do the FA prelim so I did that at 17 and then I was volunteering at a school that was close to the college so I was coaching the school team and stuff like that so yeah and then uh, at the age of 21 got invited to come over and do Camps in America, and uh, that was 1994, right? Okay. So You're on. was yeah, yeah, the on. World Cup, um, oh. and the World yeah. Cup was on, and um, I was fortunate enough to work for a company called it was back then called North American Soccer Camps, which later on became Major League Soccer Camps, and uh, right. did that for quite a few years, um, and then started to to formalise and get into. You know, doing licenses and all that kind of stuff. Started at seventeen, and, and I'm still going. Still going. Yeah.
0: Where uh, was your? Where did you come over in the states? What was the first? Like, yeah. Had
1: you Yeah. So I remember flying over, and it was um, it was July tenth, I think, and we flew in okay. to JFK, and we seemed to be driving for half an hour, and we were still in JFK, and then <laughs> um, I remember going to the Ramada Inn in New Jersey, which is uh, quite difficult to get to because of the, all the exits. It was, it? it was the one, like,
0: right next to the yeah. airport. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've said yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I remember uh, Derek Shaw was the name of one of our lead guys, and Derek turns around and he says, four other the names of myself, and he says, here's your atlas, here's your, sorry, map. Um, you guys are going to <laughs> Monongahela, Pennsylvania. So I remember s- setting off on World Cup Day, right, July 11th, and then get into this very nice man's house who was probably the biggest human I'd, I'd ever seen at that moment. He was like 6'6", okay. six, six, cowboy hat, massive. And then I remember watching Brazil, Italy on penalties at his house. Um, okay. And then, of course, the next day was uh, July 12th. And that was our, my very first day of uh, leading a bunch of uh, of American children on camp. You know? That's wild.
0: July 12th was also there's a fun fact for everyone out there the day of the mlb all-star game which was held in pittsburgh because i was born the next day and my my brother and my aunt actually went to that game um the day before i was born so that's, that's why i know that, yeah. that, that, that that's exciting yeah. stuff so when did you after the camps like what was kind of your full-time coaching role what was that first how did you lead into that yeah
1: so um i would come over and then stay over and then eventually um I was doing some work in Chicago, Jess. And then a friend of mine is like, Hey, come to, to Madison, Wisconsin. You'll love it. And I'm like, nah, I'm good in Chicago. Um, and then I ended up in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and I ended up starting as a volunteer doing a volunteer role with a club called Middleton soccer club. Um, just outside of, of, uh, Madison. And, uh, you know, from from a volunteer role, it grew into a paid position. Uh then it, it just evolved, you know. It just I, I started building the website using e teams, um and and then writing curriculum and just uh just starting to get really ingrained in the local community in Middleton. So I spent close to twenty years there. Um oh, wow. and then so the club I was with Middleton, there was a spin-off club. That started in the 80s, I think. And it started, it broke off from Middleton because the people that uh, at Yohara Soccer Club wanted to be more competitive. But then in, um, I think, maybe 2000, I can't remember what year it was, Jess, but maybe 2000 and 2009, um, Middleton and Yohara, we decided to merge, you know? Um, So it might have been before that, but... um, Might have been too. I'm I'm not sure of the year exactly, but we we left it ambiguous and we called it um, my sports club. Right, so when you asked any kid who you played for, they they would say my sports club. And we were we were trying to we were kind of affiliated with an indoor center there, and the idea was to bring all sports Mm -hmm. under one umbrella, so the player pool wasn't diminished, and kids didn't have to choose at the age of 12. I'm playing basketball. I'm playing soccer. I'm playing, yeah. So. Um, you know, and our slogan was Rector Regional, right? Because we wanted to have players from the recreational level to the regional level, to the national level. Um, And then I can't remember what year it was, but we, we became Wisconsin rush. Um, And, you know, and then I I suppose once I got into the rush world, it was, it was, it was really interesting um, because of the model and the way that rush did it. Um, And, uh, I guess I think it was 2014. I came to Virginia, but um, it was around that year as well that I started to work for Rush National um, as the yeah. as the grassroots technical director for the Hall of Rush Soccer. Um, so it was the the title that I was given was global grassroots technical director, uh, <laughs> which was which was. You know, I chose that title. Uh, He's right. only second to uh, Russell Earnshaw's chief wizard, who works for the Magic Academy in England. So,
0: yeah, when you um, as a te- as a grassroots technical director, what were what, are, what were your priorities? Yeah, you know, when you gave yourself this role, and you know, what are the priorities in, in developing? Yeah,
1: the- so I think the first priority was to keep them coming back, right? Just I, like I'm a big believer in that training sessions. Um, training sessions should be like christmas or every kid's birthday right we just got to keep them coming back there's got to be a big element of joy uh, enjoyment fun um especially at the younger ages i think we've got to and, and i you know we had to in my opinion we have to get the best and the brightest coaches at the foundation ages I was about to yeah. ask, do
0: you, do you think having the, the, the better coaches at a foundation age is is almost more important than, so to speak, like a better coach at an older um,
1: age? I think, yeah, does it does. Sense? Listen, so I, yeah. I'm a big believer in, um, I think we have to, like I said, it has to be like Christmas, right? So they don't have to necessarily be the best coach, but they do have to understand, you know, how does a child's minds work? How how does, you know, what gets them going? What are their characteristics? What what do they need developmentally? And I think once you, you've got that and somebody who can nurture that and isn't so necessarily hell-bent on teaching soccer, number one, but teaching children how to play soccer, I think is a much um, more important thing, you know? So...
0: How do you, how do you combat that? Like when you're talking about more, you're teaching kids more so than the sport, yeah. you know, what are some ways that you really try to develop the coaches and get them to understand that? Like, cause I think that's a, that's a hard concept because you do want them to get better <coughs> at the sport, but I, I agree with you. You have to teach them and, and understand the human behavior aspect of things.
1: Yeah. Well. So the coaches that I, that I'm blessed enough to work with, i t- tell them a few things. We've got to connect before we correct. Right um we've got to realize that we've got to know where children are coming from for example so if they've been cooped up in a classroom all day the last thing they want to do is be standing in lines and have an adult another adult Mm -hmm. talk to them so metaphorically um our training sessions may be the only trees that children climb that day right so you know have them active have them engaged um give them a voice choice and just be a part of their journey i think sometimes too many times we see children as empty vessels that we're trying to fill and you know we are going to teach them this skill um yeah you know and uh chris van der hagen from the belgian fa he always says well you know i i taught my dog to whistle you know and he says but he still doesn't whistle right so you can you can think we can think what we're teaching them but what they're learning is something different as well um right so okay so key things right um fun get down to their level and uh let them explore a lot of guided exploration um a lot of discovery with the ball have a move obviously there has to be lots of movement um when you think about sports and a lot of hopping skipping jumping you know, younger children, especially, they love to chase adults, and they love to be chased by adults, right? So just really, are you
0: getting around there? Yeah, yeah, still, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at my age, I'm still doing that. Um,
1: but I think it's important to give them a varied, um, and just you know, just seeing the life through their lens. So, you know, the yeah. only thing that should change through their experience is the size of the jersey. You know what I mean? Um, love so. It. Yeah. You know, and I don't. I, I don't want people to think that I'm not saying we have to teach them because we do. But there's there's ways of sure. keeping them engaged. There's ways of keeping them engaged, and and again, giving them a voice, choice, and and letting them be a part of their own journey.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's just the first first step to learning and making sure the kids are at least enjoying what they're doing first, and then as they get older, they start to get more serious, you know, and then they start to want, to want to learn a little bit more. But if you're just kind of force feeding them information and it's not as fun yeah. and you're not chasing them around, they're not going to want to learn. And, you know, they might just get bored with the sport at a, at a young age. So
1: I know exactly yeah. what, what you mean there. In terms of the curriculum, yeah. when you first,
0: your first curriculum back with Middleton, how's it changed?
1: Um, it's still very child-centered, you know, but now yeah. there's, a, there's a lot more thought, research, science behind it you know um wants and needs for example you know what are their wants and what are their needs and how do we marry up the two um i think just at the beginning when it would be in middleton it would be it would be very it's coach centric these are the these are the targets that they have to hit Um, you know and now instead of to to quote charles handy is instead of need instead of what being needed is a curriculum is a curriculum for every child. So it goes back to what I was saying earlier is just know who's in front yeah. of you and know what it is they, that they need, right? even as coaches, mm. you know, why do you think there's so many options at the convention? Cause everybody needs different things, you know? So, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: um, you know, there's some, there's some foundational stuff that's there. Um, but it's still learning through play and playing to learn, mm. learning through play and playing to learn. Um, You know, while we were at the convention, Jess, it came to me and I was fortunate enough to be a part of a panel discussion. And I think what everybody is trying to do is prepare uh, children for the World Cup, right? Everybody's trying to prepare children for the World Cup. What I would argue and say is let's not prepare them for the World Cup. Let's prepare them for their World Cup. Let's prepare them for their World Cup because it could come at any stage. And uh, you know everybody has to to compete uh, a right to compete at their ceiling, right? So if we're preparing them for yeah. their World Cup, and we're just you know helping them get there, I think it's a lot easier than preparing them for the World Cup. Because at the end of the day, how many teams and players actually play at the World Cup? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, sooner might be six yeah. but you yeah. never know. But no, um, nonetheless, what what is their quote unquote their Wait. World Cup? To, so, the, like, what do you think? Like, I know it's not. Nah, yeah. So but... it
1: could be anything. I mean, if you think back to the best games you've ever played, that you played, right?
0: Very but I'm
1: sure that there, there. there was one, right, that you maybe, that you thought yeah. about, dreamed about, and it 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 happened, right? So it could be a middle school game. It could be a high school game. It could be a pickup game in the park. But it's just whatever floats their boat, essentially, right? Whatever gets them. It could be a cup final. It could be a really good game. You know, um, it's not for me to determine. That's for them to determine. And how how do we get there, right? When I look at... So I coach a 2010 boys team right now, Mm -hmm. along with other teams. And this group of boys, you know, we were State Cup finalists. Um, We went to England. We played Man United. We played Leicester, right? We played Birmingham City. We played Newcastle United. Um, you know, so listen, they may have already played their World Cups, you know. So yeah.
0: that's pretty cool. Yeah. What um how do you define success in in that twenty ten or twenty ten Yeah. or even even throughout the club, you know, what what are ways that you determine success?
1: So like for me it's winning on more than just the sport scoreboard, right? Um mm-hmm. so success would be Individual success would be, um, can a player achieve something that they couldn't formally achieve, right? Do they understand why they didn't achieve what it was and now can implement and understand and reflect, hey, man, okay, I know why that didn't work. Maybe this would, you know what I mean? So that uh, is is a point of individual success. Um, You know, obviously you can win by tournaments, trophies, but I would call success... um, getting better every day right um, yeah and we, we talk about small gains and um, just getting incrementally better 1% each day some people argue a- against that right um, so, how do people argue against yeah. that I mean isn't that like the, the easiest way to, to quote unquote get better yeah.
0: success like you know how are people arguing against the, the get better the 1% yeah some people
1: will say that marginal gains yeah there's arguments right I mean I'm not versed enough yeah. in it but if you can see growth, I mean, for me, success actually, Jess, I'll put it this way: is doing the best you can, where you're at, with what you have, right? So, um, you know, two of our non-negotiables with the group that, the groups that I work with, is give your best effort and your best attitude. Mm-hmm. And if you give that, then we'll deal with anything. You know, we'll deal with anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, we were we were three refereeing decisions. And um, 20 minutes away from being in a regional semi-final. Um, mm-hmm. But we, st- we stuck to our morals, right? We didn't scream at the referees. We didn't abuse referees. And we came off with our head held high. Um, so, yeah. you know, success would be another way is, is playing, playing with your values, right? And not, not, um, not changing, regardless of the score, the scoreboard of the situation. Right, and that's what I mean by winning on more than just the scoreboard. All right.
0: Yeah, Spe- yeah the, I mean those values that, that you talk about. How do you get? What if a player, let's say, maybe doesn't, I won't say agree, but maybe they just don't portray those yeah. values. I mean, how how do you how do you work with the kids in, in trying to get them to believe in? Yeah. So values?
1: Russia has eleven human core values, right? Um, so there it is. Uh, respect, unity, safety, humility, leadership, empathy, um, um, uh, passion. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing yeah, right? Right? it here, right? Right, but is, so, so, really yeah, yeah, is, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. But so, but what I do is, is we get with the group, we go over the eleven core values, and I ask the boys, regard you know, regardless or depending on age, okay, what five values? Can we commit to all season? So I ask them to write down five values. The five uh, values: unity is one of them, and then um, ask them what what can we buy into. Accountability is the last one I couldn't find. Yes, um, so they write there them down, know. and then they all sign the piece of paper. So after the first week of training, right, they're holding each other to these values, and I don't, I don't have to, you know, they're policing that themselves. You know, and then if it does go sideways or somebody's not buying in, I can say, hey, hang on. Didn't we agree to these values? Okay, how are you representing those values right now? How are you representing them at home with your family, at school, how you represent them on the pitch? How are you doing that? Um, And, you know, they're like, you know what? My bad, coach. And they have the ability to um, call me out and say, hey, coach, hang on. Do you know what I mean? So it's... um, yeah, yeah. So we, we police each other. And the thing is, is I always tell them you have to act like your favorite aunt, your favorite uncle, your teacher, your grandparent is watching, right? So that's integrity. You always act in the same way, right? Um, yeah. So I think it, it becomes pretty easy. Um, and it, sim- it becomes easier, Jesse, because kids kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And when once you know the person, right it becomes so much easier to develop the player, right? For sure.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I think think it's good. It's always going to be good to have, to try to instill those values at at a young age so they can slowly, you know, gradually build up. And, you know, I think when you're young, at least for me when I was 12 and and I'm looking at these values, I don't know if they would really click to me until I get like 16, 17, and I've heard them for three, four, five years. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is what it means. This is what that means. This is how I can apply it. So um, I think I think that's always going to be the, the right approach in, in trying to develop the person. Yeah,
1: the we, we tie the values into training sessions too. So if there's coaching points, right, we'll talk about tenacity, right? Even when we do our evaluations, there's, you know, which three values are the players representing? You know what I mean? So we talk about them. We integrate them into training. Yeah, um, you know, we, we talked about um, – the other day with the twenty tens, passing with technical empathy, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's one I came across about a year ago reading Wenger's book, right? But it was like, Okay, mm-hmm. technical empathy basically means exactly that. How are you gonna expect a guy to deal with the past that that is terrible, yeah. right? Yeah. So give right. that guy something to work with. So, you know, or or the other thing is we'll talk about passing with respect. Did you was there respect on that pass? Again, tied in, technical empathy, same thing. Um and the kids are grasping that. And uh at the end of the day, right, if they have an unbelievable work ethic and a good attitude, it's gonna serve them well in life, not just in football, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, there's a good way There's a good ways to put it in. and when you phrase it like that too. Subconsciously, so that, that's funny because it's like you know you're you're always going to think about how can I help, even though you want to do it regardless of the terms, right? Yeah. You want to you know play the the perfect pass for your teammate, but this this kind of just reinforces that thought process of yeah. it all. What are some challenges that that you face that are currently facing? Right yeah,
1: now? so um, so I'm at the end uh, of the with this 2010 group, right? which I've had for a couple of years. And now, you know, one of the challenges is, you know, they're like, coach, we want you to stay on. Um, One of the challenges for me is um, passing them off. And I I know the next person coming in is going to be really good for them. Um, But watching them, you know, that's not going to be a challenge, but watching them grow and flourish, I think is going to be great. Um, But just, you know, once you get with a group and you're used to how they work and you know which buttons to push, you know, sometimes it's hard to... You know, that would be a challenge, right? Getting them up. Um, the the neighbouring club in town has ecnl National um, and we don't. Right. Um, but this 2010 age group was like one of the only age groups we didn't lose players at to last year. We lost three the year before. Um, but, yeah. you know, so they'll, be, they'll have a shopping list of our guys and I don't blame them, to be honest. I think, you know, this right. is what we've right. got to do as a club now is uh, to keep hold of to keep hold of our players, right? We've got to, you know, so this is a challenge, you know, um, we've got to be more prepared and uh, making sure that players are playing, getting ready for their World Cup, right? So whatever that is. Right. Um, so that's, that's the challenge in itself, right? So.
0: It, it does provide an interesting dynamic to have the other competing clubs that, you know, so to speak, yeah. the National League and, Losing players, but that's that's tricky. But I guess I mean the way you guys are—it seems to be developing and and instilling core values in them. You know, I don't know if I if you can you say that about the other clubs. Is you know, it's like it's like I guess at that point you're trying to trying to get the kids to understand priorities. Yeah, in listen,
1: I, you know, I, I don't like to speak about the other clubs around us. All like all I got to sure. do is all we have to do is worry about us and providing a really good training environment. Um, and making sure they're getting meaningful matches, um, you know whether it's uh, because this group is um, has potential. I don't want to say talent, right? I want to yeah. say potential. Um, yeah, right. Being creative and finding creative ways to get them games at uh, with good level competition, whether it's MLS Next Academies, whether it's um, playing at Easternern national levels, playing in, you know, being here in Virginia, you know, we have the Jeff Cup, which we did quite well at. We did right. NCFC, which we were able to play um, good level competition that compete at national leagues. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just still finding them avenues and pathways where they can get what they need as a group and individually as well.
0: Love it. Yeah. The last question, Chris, that i like to end with as you're passing off these 2010s, they want you to stay with you, but, five six years down the road when they're trying to get into college and they think back to their club soccer experience what you know what would you like them to have said about you end up quote unquote starting there
1: yeah their so career? like that's a, that's a great question Jess. so february 25th there's a there's a guy i think one of my boys that I had in middleton wisconsin right he's getting married mm-hmm. he's 35 he's getting married in miami right. And there's seven or eight of the guys that are going to be there. And I'm, I'm trying really hard to get to the wedding, right? Um, yeah. I'm trying really hard yeah. to get to the wedding. So listen, uh, when these boys are going into college, 17, 18, 20, grown men, I just want them to remember that uh, they learned. I was firm but fair. And like I tell them, even though I, I, I won't be your coach, I'll always be your coach. So whatever you need in life or in football, I'll always be there for them. Um, and I think they'll know, they know that. Um, there's times we have a lot of laughs because um, I'm a bit of a prankster as well. Um, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a group of boys who are now sophomores, sophomores in college, maybe maybe juniors, mm-hmm. and they were they were playing up a year at a tournament, and we were playing against our neighboring club, and uh, we were in the tent because it was cold, and everybody was looking for us, and the final was about to kick off. And we were just sitting in the tent telling jokes, right? And the boys yeah. were actually prior to going into the tent, they were nervous because we were going to face our our neighboring club a year up, right? But I yeah. had them in the tent telling jokes, and then they're all laughing. And then people finally found us and like, "Hey, it's time to kick off." And as we're walking across, yeah. as we're walking <laughs> across to the the field, and they're like, "Coach, what's the lineup?" I'm like, "Are oh, you guys sorted out? You got like forty seconds before we get there," and I'm here to help you if you need me. Yeah. Um, and then they went on and they, they ended up winning the tournament, um, right? Awesome. And then they finished the tournament. And then what we did was I said, all right, boys, let's go. That was the last game of the day. Let's collect all the corner flags. So it's just making sure that when we're when we're high, we're not too high. And when we're low, we're not too low, right? Always um, keeping things in perspective and, and knowing that um, football is a gift, right? It unites us all. And... Uh, You know, just be able to tell some good stories and and have some good memories to be able to tell their own kids and so on and so forth. For sure. Lots of wisdom in this one. Yeah, no worries. Yes. Thank you.